0: Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a bunch of games, and that includes Star Wars Battlefront 2, a game which just refuses to leave this podcast, Destiny 2, Deus Ex, Demon's Souls, and Ashes Cricket. And then apart from that, I think one of us went to IGX, which is a gaming expo, a tiny gaming expo, which happened here in Mumbai, and he played some games, so he'll be talking about that. So speaking of the devil, he's right here, that's Rishi Albani, our games editor.
1: Good morning or night or evening whenever you're listening to this. And I know Pranay is probably looking daggers at me, but whatever. And uh, yeah, so can't tell if if podcast from 2017 or podcast from 2008, 2009, given the roster of things we're discussing. But yeah, welcome to the show. And with us is a fiend of the podcast, Mikhail Madnani. It's still too early. Uh Mm Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. And I'm your host, Pranay Parab. So, first of all, let's uh, get rid of this Star Wars nonsense.
2: To be honest, like, at this stage, I'd rather talk about PUBG than Battlefront 2. It's that bad. Yeah, but then, <laughs> so yeah,
1: for, the, for those of you who are unaware, what happened was uh, a week ago, after uh, massive outrage poured down on Electronic Arts for uh, its handling of progression systems in Star Wars Battlefront 2, it seems that we're going to see legislation for the game or larger. Rather, legislation for loot boxes because of it. So we've seen uh, the, the the state of Hawaii uh, basically call the game a, an online gambling casino. We've seen France, uh, France's senators send letters to their own uh, uh, gaming and gambling commissions to look into it. We've seen Belgium, uh, which is basically deciding whether loot box should be regulated or not. They believe it should be regulated. They haven't passed the final ruling yet and when it does and if it does get regulated in belgium expect them to take the take this uh, same approach to europe as a whole so yeah long story short we're looking at a situation where uh, we could see uh, microtransactions being regulated uh, in 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 developing in, de- in, in developing and developed markets now it's already happened in some parts of the world like china wherein uh, if you get a loot box you have to know the odds of uh, what you might get in it. And uh, that's something which Blizzard had to do for Hearthstone and perhaps even for Overwatch. So it'll be interesting to see how publishers respond to this.
0: Yeah, so I think that the reason they are trying to regulate this is because there are multiple similarities uh, between loot boxes and gambling. Yes. Like in gambling, you don't know the like odds of winning, right? And the cards are always staked in favor of the house.
2: So uh, the way I look at it, yeah they have major elements of gambling in them but the thing is what you actually get you cannot sell for real money while when you actually go to a casino or whatever you can eventually cash out so this like sort of reminded me that you know on steam when you like have CS:GO, even pubg crates and all that you can actually sell those for real money in your steam wallet and use that to buy stuff on or, like in the case of battlefront 2 you can't actually do that so it just reminded me, like, remember what happened with Gold lottery and all that stuff, right? Yeah, and even it also reminds me of what happened with the auction house in Diablo 3,
1: where, uh, for those of you who are unaware, uh, in Diablo 3, you could, uh, at launch, I think, around 2012, you could essentially craft items, sell them in the game for real-world currency. Now, obviously, uh, this is... I mean, but then again, uh, we've had other countries legislate this. We've had a situation three, four years ago where Japan uh, decided to you know regulate how this could work it's known as gasha porn uh in in that country and it's essentially the reason why fifa ultimate team and other games with a loot box based system are a huge deal it essentially stems from this so uh how it go how it goes forward will be interesting to see because essentially what's happened is uh if there's one thing the games industry hates its regulation and now it's going to get regulation Because of uh, what essentially has happened with Star Wars. I mean, the fact is, because the IP is big enough, it's essentially caught the attention of every politician looking to, you know, get their share of the spotlight.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, you know, FIFA has been doing this for quite some time with that ultimate team thing they had. And this year, we've had people actually complaining about how FIFA 18's uh, progression and monetization for the ultimate team section is prohibitive. Like, if you don't spend a huge amount of money, then you're not going to get the top players
1: true but then if you also look at it from a from a game design standpoint and a fit uh as much as i hate to say it uh fifa ultimate team's approach suits fifa it suits the transfer mechanics it suits how the game is or how ea's envisioned the game to be and if you compare it to how uh you know games like star wars implemented it's a force fit it's a it's a complete force fit from that regard so i mean it'll be fun to see what goes on because while uh, while you have a massive amount of outrage for star wars uh for for the diehard fifa fans for them they're just calling it every other day of the week where
2: stuff like this goes down on a regular basis i think the interesting thing to note about how this is basically like the dominoes have started falling after this it essentially happened because this is star wars one of the most mainstream ips ever and because uh, it was getting bad publicity for Disney, that's the only reason why any of this is happening. Yeah. If it's... it was, if it was like, I mean, come on. If uh, Square Enix did microtransactions in Deus Ex, if they put loot boxes, there wouldn't even be one hundredth of the outrage there is for Star Wars Battlefront 2. It's just happening because, and Disney stepping in is because yeah, Star Wars got bad publicity. We all know how like how Disney handles their own uh, loot boxes and how Disney handles microtransactions in some of their other games aimed at kids. So. Uh, it's really funny just seeing all this outrage now just for Star Wars Battlefront 2, like everyone had their built-up aggression or something. And uh, yeah, it's gonna de- something's definitely going to come out of this. Like uh, At first, I thought this would just be like everyone would forget about it the next week, but it seems like governments are getting involved in it. And uh, yeah, if you think they're going to stop at just loot boxes and microtransactions with regulation, uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, right now, essentially, what EA has done is EA has...
1: Uh, un- has- unintentionally put a massive spotlight on the games industry as a whole and i'm sure other companies like ubisoft activision blizzard and and even 2k and take two all of these companies who have a lot who have games running with a tremendous amount of microtransactions are now under the scanner and in a way it's good because i feel these practices are predatory they're not required because let's be honest it's not we've never had a point in gaming history where fans of of specific games have gone out and said hey i like your game so much can i keep paying you over and above the 60 80 100 120 200 dollars i've paid for the game or its collector editions so i think this is in a way uh better it's a, in a way it's good and honestly this is what tends to happen when you get too greedy um frankly i'm just surprised it hasn't happened sooner.
2: Uh, what you mentioned about uh, people wanting to pay more and all that that actually did happen with Overwatch where uh, in the uh, the open beta and closed beta which happened everyone saw the skins and all that and everyone was like you know please let us buy currency to buy the skins and all that Blizzard didn't comment when Overwatch actually went live you can buy loot boxes you can buy uh, yeah basically that so that was really funny because that literally happened over there so yeah
1: but then even in that case uh, it's I mean, the one distinction which is crucial is here is that when you end up buying loot boxes in a game like Overwatch, it doesn't impact gameplay. Yeah, I know, but the thing is... Uh, and when you compare it to Battlefront 2, there are significant gameplay changes. You can essentially spend $200 and be super overpowered versus someone who spent only 60 Or you so, could spend
2: $200 and get the Star Wars Vinyl Trilogy box set, which is better value for money. But yeah, I think we should move on.
1: Yeah, so long story short, if you're a fan of... Big AAA games, expect them to come under the scanner, expect a larger amount of regulation. But more crucially, expect them to have an online component to suit the loot box economy they're going to be shipped with.
0: Alright then, my show notes here tell me that Bungie has apparently, allegedly been lying about Destiny 2 progression. What is this about? No, they haven't
1: been allegedly lying, they've been lying and they got caught. So, uh, for those of you who are unaware, Destiny 2 is uh, a shared open world shooter... Uh, sequel to 2014's best 5 on 10 game Destiny Uh, and uh, I mean we played it we liked it a bit we gotta gave it a 7 on 10 it was a bit mercenary in some aspects because uh things that were free in the last game such as shaders and color options for your, for your character are now paid and there's a loot box system as well because hey it's 2017 every, every big AAA game has to have a loot box system now uh but what, what's interesting is how the game so wh- what happens is when you hit a certain level i think the level cap is 20 or 30 i'm not too sure after that you don't level up but then you get bright engrams and and these can are basically random high level rewards or allegedly high level rewards so what happened is uh, uh, some nice people over at reddit decided to calculate how much xp they are actually earning versus how much xp was actually shown that we were earning. And it seems that if you if you took part in activities like, you know, a, a quick uh, deathmatch or you took part in raids with a friend, activities that are easy to do again and again, you got less XP than what, was, than, than what the game said you were getting. And if you ended up doing bigger, longer activities like, you know, quests and stuff like that, you'd get a larger amount of XP. And it reached a point where if you had ended up doing the smaller activities like multiplayer and deathmatch, you could end up getting only 4% of the actual XP gain. So you're being you're basically getting cheated out of out of uh, out of the XP you're supposed to be getting. Long story short, that's what that's what the community realized, and they are outraged about it. And Banji was quiet for a while before they actually uh, made a statement late last week, which basically said, yeah, which which basically kind of tried to out update the outrage, sorry, outdate the outrage by saying that oh yeah, we've realized that this is happening and we're not happy with it and you, we know you're not happy with it, so we're changing it. But the fact of the matter is they only changed it because they got caught. And if you guys remember, uh, Bungie is working with Activision Blizzard. And Activision Blizzard has a lovely patent which uh, basically lets your microtransactions when you use them for cosmetic items or whatever, or whatever gameplay advantages you have, they're visible... To other players. They've patented that. They thought it was such a good idea, they put a patent on it. So, it's sinister as hell, and the fact that they, and the only reason they, uh, they, they're they even admitting to it is because they got caught out. And it's a little, quite shady to see, more so when you consider uh, the uh, how expensive games are these days, and how much time investment you're required, that they have to pull uh, stuff that's as shady as this. Now, l- don't get me wrong, other games have level scaling mechanics like this, but then they're transparent about it you know exactly what you're getting going in. And the fact that uh, they decided to lie about what you're getting is very disturbing. Rest assured, this is one game I will be uninstalling the moment I get home.
0: Okay then. Um, next thing, since we're on a you know track of completely depressing news, why don't we talk about Demon's Souls servers, which are apparently going to be shut off sometime early next year.
1: Okay, for those of you who are unaware, before this thing called Dark Souls became a big deal, there was Demon's Souls. Now, Demon's Souls was made was obviously made by the same guys who made Dark Souls from software and was published by uh, Atlas in the US and I think Namco
2: Bandai in Europe. So, uh, it was one of those uh, collaborations, you know, before Bloodborne happened, Demon's Souls was actually from software and Sony Japan studio. And uh, Sony actually didn't see any value in publishing it outside Japan. So, Atlas USA stepped in for North America. Namco Bandai stepped in for Europe. What happened is the game actually took off really well, sold really well, and uh, Bandai Namco realized this, so it was Namco at the time, and uh, yeah, they basically got from software on board and like signed contracts for Dark Souls, made it multi-platform, because at that time, uh, everything was on Xbox 360 as well, and uh, Dark Souls did really well, and then there were petitions, which is the usual case from PC gamers, and Dark Souls went on Steam, sold really well, and then Dark Souls has become as big as it has. Demon Souls, was, like being the first game, has this massive cult following. A lot of people still consider it the best of the Souls fran- Souls Born franchise, and uh, it did have the online component, albeit in its early stages, where there could be invasions, you could leave messages. I think leaderboards are also there and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, uh, the servers had actually been on for almost a decade, and they've just announced today that or yesterday, that uh, on the last day of February in 2018, the servers will be going off. So, yeah, basically the game will still be playable completely, but uh, you won't be able to have invasions, you won't be able to read messages and stuff like that. And, yeah, basically it's a sign of things to come because now uh, the PS3 360 generation, which had online components in games, we're going to slowly see them, servers closing, stuff like that happening.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's amusing because it's just like a few years ago where... Uh, you had games with the online components, which didn't have you to bother with microtransactions or, or, you know, extra payments. And what's funny to see here is that, uh, I mean, th- there is some speculation in parts of the community that, oh, it's, uh, 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 I'm sure they could afford keeping the servers on, and I'm sure they can afford the running costs. Uh, yeah, I mean, they could if the game was still in print and was still in circulation. Was still I think selling. it's more
2: to do with how many people are playing online. Like, they are obviously exactly. looking at that because... Uh, it's the same reason why Gravity Rush servers were turned off. Gravity Rush 2, sorry. You have these online things which let you unlock a few costumes, but if there's like less than 100 people doing it, what's the point?
1: Exactly. So, So, yeah, anyway, for those of you still clinging on to your PS3s and playing Demon Souls for the millionth time, move on to other games. There are Mm -hmm. better games.
0: I would be very surprised if there's somebody among our podcast listener base who's actually doing this. You would be surprised. surprised.
2: Like PS3 in India is like crazy and and no, no,
0: online is free yeah forget yeah. on yeah. yeah,
2: online being free like Demon Souls is like a Sony thing mm. so. yeah so a lot of people still play right. uh, but yeah I mean it's it's gonna be fun to see how that works out I mean you'd be better off playing Dark so- uh, Demon's Souls without the online component than wasting time on Dark Souls 2 but then that's for another podcast yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> Right then, so uh, good. I think Rishi, let's move on to your favorite topic, which is uh, Square Enix saying DSX is apparently very important.
1: The Square Enix CEO has had a bunch of interviews with GamesIndustry.biz. Uh, the first one which went up last week talked about how uh, Square Enix had to let Hitman go because they weren't able to sustain the investment needed in what the franchise. What do you franchise.
2: mean they had to let Hitman go just like they let Lara Croft
1: go? Um, no, Lara Croft <laughs> is still very much within the Square Enix family. But yeah, uh, so now this week they've they, they've said something equally amusing, which is uh, that Deus Ex is very important to them. Now, for those of you who are unaware or who, or who have been living under a rock for the last 47 episodes of Transition, uh, Deus Ex is basically the Blade Runner of gaming. It's one of those cool cyberpunk franchises that's been around since 2001. And uh, for someone like me, it's the reason I'm still gaming these days. It's the only reason I'm in the business or, or whatever you wanna call gaming as it is right now. Uh, it has a really good storyline, fantastic gameplay elements where you could essentially play the entire game without killing a single person. And uh, it had a few sequels. It uh, had Human Revolution, which is actually a prequel. And then it had Mankind Divided, which was released in 2015, 20, sorry, which released in 2016. Um, and uh, Mankind Divided kind of bombed in the sense that uh, it didn't sell as much as Square Enix wanted, and there was a huge fiasco surrounding uh, day one microtransactions and some pay-to-win elements, which kind of didn't make sense because it was a single-player game for most part. Um, and uh, the series after that went on hiatus, there were rumors that uh, Idos Montreal, the studio behind it, would be shut down. But thankfully that hasn't happened, and they're working on uh, the Avengers games. But uh, in the interim, uh, see, the thing is, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, ended on a massive, massive cliffhanger. We're talking Empire Strikes Back level cliffhanger. And uh, at the end of it, well, we're probably not going to get a sequel, which is why it makes uh, Square Enix's statement right now very amusing. Yeah,
0: so you know what? I think they're going to release a bunch of graphic novels and finish the series off like another, another mass franchise. Effect.
1: <laughs> this isn't Mass Effect. <laughs> Oh wait, is this the generation where all my favorite franchises go to die? I don't know. But yeah, so that seems to be the situation right now where they claim they're deeply invested in it. They're thinking what to take, what steps to take next. I mean, guys, it's obvious, just finish off the trilogy. Finish it off, let it bow out with some respectability. And if you can't just give it to Arcane. Arcane, are the guys behind Prey and Dishonored, let them manage it. I'm sure they'd do a good job. But yeah, so that's where we're at and it's it's a little fun. It's a little Actually, tragic to see because uh, the quote-unquote AAA big console gaming space is getting is turning into a red ocean. Everything has to be online. Everything has to have microtransactions. Everything has to sell at least, you know, 3-4 million copies to even be considered breaking even. So, in a way, uh, I mean, you can't blame them for not bothering. But, I mean, as a fan, as someone who grew up playing the game, the games rather, it's a, I mean, I feel sad. But yeah, that's what they plan to...
0: Yeah, just a quick uh, follow-up for our listeners. The interview was with Square Enix CEO, who's also the president, uh, Yosuke Matsuda. Yep. So
1: that's the thing right there. So that's something for those of you who are interested in Deus Ex. Yeah, I mean, played Mankind Divided. It's ridiculously cheap. I mean, it's worth checking out even right now. But if if you
0: hate cliffhangers, don't play Mankind Divided.
1: Yeah, that's there. Like, Yeah, cliffhangers are, are a thing. I think that's why Mike hasn't played the game yet, despite owning it on every platform.
2: In some cases, more than one copy, as I discovered yesterday. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We shall talk. I must buy them off you.
0: Mike has a massive hoarding problem.
2: For some reason, I have two copies on Xbox One.
1: Hey, mm. what's up? I'm your new best friend. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Okay, then. So, um, time to talk about Big Ant Studios and their new game, Ashes Cricket.
2: Okay, so, Pranay reviewed it. You can read the review on Gadgets 360. And it's a good review. <laughs> okay. Uh, when so he actually it talks about
1: the gameplay, <laughs> so and not character creation, but do continue. So,
2: so Ashes Cricket released on PS4 and Xbox uh, in India, quite expensive. Then it got discounted multiple times. And uh, yeah, wait the, for, for
1: those of you who are unaware how discounted. uh Mike, I think it launched at four two nine nine, right? It launched at
2: four two nine nine, and almost every retailer was already selling it at three seven nine nine with a quote unquote discount, and it eventually was available for 3199 in a lot of places for quote-unquote Black Friday. That seems to be a thing in India. And, uh... Yeah, but there was no PC version for some reason. Wait,
1: it gets better. And then the price finally settles at a lovely 3299. So essentially 4299, less thousand rupees. And this is all within the first week. And what's even more amusing is, depending who you ask and what we've heard off record, is that the landed cost of the game, the cost of the game when it comes into the country before any distributor margins was 3150. And if you look at how much it costs in grey, and grey was going as low as 2800. So, long story short, it was a complete pricing nightmare. Uh, But yeah, on to the more interesting part.
0: Yeah, so...
2: So yeah, uh, for some reason there was no PC version at launch and while we did expect it to come later, someone asked Big Ant Studio on Twitter why the PC version was delayed to apparently end of December, I think. Uh, They've said that it'll be out around Christmas. They haven't announced a firm release date yet. End of December. Uh, And they said that uh, a lot of publishers delay PC versions to combat piracy. And they went on to say that uh, that's why GTA 5 was delayed. Now, uh, it's interesting seeing big-ass studios talk about uh, Rockstar (laughs) Rockstar. games (laughs) and one of the, probably the biggest games ever, (laughs) why it was delayed on PC. I mean, obviously, Rockstar delayed it to get people to double-dip. That's happened. A lot of people who we know have bought it. On PS3, Xbox 360, then they went on to buy it on PS4, Xbox One, and then they bought it on PC. I mean, to the point where uh, I've we've seen our
1: friends pick up uh, a PS3 to play GTA, pick up a PS4 to play GTA, and yes, upgrade their PC to play GTA.
2: So, uh, and it's no, it's no surprise that a lot of publishers do delay PC versions to get people to double dip. It works for a lot, it doesn't work for others. Uh, Square Enix's recent efforts have shown it doesn't work because World of Final Fantasy, which released uh, about 13 months after the PS4 and Vita version, has basically bombed on Steam. While it did quite well on PS4 and Vita, I think it was close to a million or at least 800k or something worldwide.
1: That's because the fans of Final Fantasy don't own PCs.
2: And uh, it's not even a high-budget game. It's like this nostalgia cash-in, which plays like Kingdom Hearts and Pokemon together. Pretty fun game, but uh, yeah, it's not doing well at all on PC. Not kawaii enough for PC audiences. So, uh, Big Am Studios, like, okay, you can delay your own game for this, but I don't think you should comment on Rockstar and Take-Two's property. But that's essentially what happened, and they said that uh, this is the case with a lot of PC versions. And, I mean, Capcom's Monster Hunter World, which is they're looking to like get it as a breakout hit in the West. It's been getting a lot of press all over the world. It's releasing on PS4 and Xbox One first. It's not releasing on PC. In fact, they said they're going to work on the PC version after they finish the console version. But then in Capcom's case,
1: uh, they've been very good with their PC ports in, in, uh, in yeah, it the recent uses that, past.
2: It uses that MT framework, yeah. which runs well on almost every platform. So they have like really good tech.
1: And to be honest, it's something they've, they've invested in since... Last gen. I mean, Resident Evil 5 on PC was really good back in the day. And as was Resident Evil 6. I mean, quality of the game aside, the actual settings and options were really cool. So, no surprises there. But the thing is, what, what's telling is... Uh, Big Ants' uh, candid approach to its community, which I thought is really refreshing, because it's very rare for a pub- for a developer or publisher to go right there and say, "Hey, we're canning, we we're-, we're delaying it because of you know piracy." More often than not, we've seen in the past publishers like Ubisoft, publishers like uh, 2K, publishers like Capcom, basically use the more diplomatic uh, statement that, "Oh, we want to make sure the PC port is the best version it can be." Uh, so I mean, yeah, and to be honest, you can't blame uh, Big Ant from even taking the stand because at the end of the day, if you look at what's making money on PC, uh, majority of the money is coming from free-to-play stuff now, and it's coming from esports stuff now, like Counter Strike, Glo- Counter Strike Go. So it's really tough for for being a premium game on Steam to make money, and it's something we've seen uh, with Steam Direct. I, mean, I think Steam Directs reached the, reached a the point where anyone with basically hundred dollars can put a game up on Steam, which means you're seeing a lot of garbage on Steam. So from terms of discoverability... But wasn't
0: that supposed to like stop that, that green hasn't light stopped. That uh, hasn't stopped. nonsense?
1: So Steam Direct hasn't changed anything. In fact, mm. Steam Direct is green light minus the community voting, which makes discoverability a lot tougher.
2: In fact, yeah. So going back to Square Enix, they actually have spoken to people and spoken to the press and said that uh, in their case, they've had better return when they link people to Steam from their own website because discoverability is such a mess. So. Yeah,
1: and at the end of it, the reason why it's such a mess is, much like Google, uh, Steam has algorithms doing the work in terms of discoverability. They're hands-off, basically. Yeah, they're hands-off, and and it suits Valve because Valve is lazy, and they want to let, quote-unquote, curation and algorithms run everything for them. And the, the end result is a platform that I'm embarrassed to own games on. And not like they care, because they already have money from everyone, but uh, you can't blame uh, game developers and publishers for ignoring the platform because when your largest storefront on the platform is a joke at this stage, it's just a joke. I mean what are you gonna do? Uh, today it's reached the point where Prane, you and me can basically go to the Unity store, uh pick up a bunch of assets, cobble something together, name it I don't know transition underscore the game, uh launch it on Steam within a couple of hours. It's that simple now. So what's the point at the end of the day? I and you can't blame them. So, obviously, I mean, in, in coming back to Big Ant's case, would you rather spend time putting your stuff on a platform that doesn't give you anything in terms of discoverability, doesn't give you anything in terms of reach, or would you just optimize the game for platforms that you know you're going to get some visibility and that people care about and will pay money for, which is on console? So, yeah, I don't
0: blame Big Ant at all. Exactly. And as for the point you, you mentioned, which is, you know, it's refreshing to see them being candid with their community. Yeah. I think that happens when the studio is, you know, not extremely big and... Basically, uh, when they are not an EA-level uh, studio, when, yeah. like, you know, uh, yeah, shareholders are not... Yeah, like, EA and all that, like, tweet yeah. would have
2: been deleted, PR person would have been fired or Yeah. Like, yeah. You so can't say that stuff. You
0: like have open. to be a certain size in, in terms of a studio to be able to do that. Like, it's, you know, you, indies do it all the time, and uh, some uh, slightly medium-sized studios like Big Ant would do it.
1: In fact, speaking of indies, a lot of them have said on record, uh, and this is something which we caught on... Uh, Jim Sterling show the Uh The developers at Image and Form have essentially said that uh, Steam has become not feasible for a lot of developers compared to what it was a year ago.
0: Steam not feasible for Steam world.
1: Yeah, and in fact, the, <laughs> and in fact, the reason for this is because. Uh, uh, You've reached a point where this year alone, you've had more games on Steam than you've seen in the last 10 years. 6,000 plus games. So, yeah, that's going to be a problem. And And the the
2: counter-argument I see from a lot of people is at least it's not like GOG because apparently a few years ago, GOG denied... uh, Like, GOG has their own curation. They have actual people doing this and they said no for some certain niche Japanese games. But, uh, yeah, like, obviously those would be a problem (laughs) because you'd want some good quality games. And they did reject, apparently, Assault Android Cactus, which is a really good twin-stick shooter. But right now, if I go to GOG, like, there's quality over there. There are, like, much fewer games, obviously. But, like, just go to Steam, click on new releases, and just look at what's releasing over there. It'll make you, like, go and hug Google Play Store. And yeah, off, like, <laughs> yeah it's that on bad. Steam. I
1: mean, honestly, it's reached a point where I, I would... If I had to buy a game on PC, I'd rather buy it off GOG first than anywhere and else. And you
2: can see, like, obviously, Bungie and Activision and all, Destiny being on Battle.net means Activision gets all the profits, no 30% to... Steam but when you launch battle.net to play anything you see Activision and you see Destiny right there and this is a like a large paying audience as opposed to like, you know, seeing it in the top sellers on Steam hidden behind some other stuff. Yeah, exactly. so
0: when we spoke about the Steam Direct thing, uh, like I think this was maybe 30 episodes ago. Okay. Uh, at that time, we had mentioned that we were optimistic about Greenlight being shut down because of a lot of low quality games showing yeah. up and we hope that Steam Direct would fix that. Yeah, yeah but, but Steam
2: Direct has allowed high quality games like Vape Simulator <laughs> and no, stuff like that.
1: So here's the thing. At that time, we didn't know what the entry fee-, entry fee for Steam Direct was. Yeah. The
2: speculation was that it was going to go all the way up
1: to $5,000. And since it's a $100, as mike said we've had games like vape simulator games which let you sh- uh, rescue uh questionably legal anime girls and all sorts of other things and frankly the quality has gone down it's gone it's mm, pretty bad yeah so uh, yeah i'll dig yeah. up
0: that episode and put it in the show notes you can just hear like how wrong we were at that time and just cry for your yeah, you know thanks, cry for humanity
1: Valve.
2: <laughs> thanks Valve.
0: Okay then I think time to move on. Uh, Rishi you went to a tiny gaming expo called yeah, IGX. Even we both
2: went to uh, Indian Games Expo. We both played a bit of Far Cry 5.
1: Yeah and I would, wouldn't use the term tiny because we were it was there were a lot of lines and there was a lot of people and I think what, the only thing that was tiny was the location. I I I, I no, no no no. But no. The,
2: the thing yeah. which is actually tiny was Microsoft's presence over there. What presence? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. for the last term. This is the third year Indian Games Expo took yeah. place and uh, third year without Microsoft's presence at all. The only presence they did have was from uh, some retailer selling a few Xbox One games. Yeah, and in games. fact even more amusers.
0: Not
1: Xboxes. No. Uh, I, d- I didn't actually more see Switch an Xbox for sale. There was more yeah. Nintendo Switch consoles for sale than we saw Xbox consoles. And the official reason uh, allegedly is that uh, you know because globally the One X is out, Microsoft doesn't want to show up showing the One S. Is what I'm hearing. And what's even more amusing is uh, apparently they want to do stuff online. And this is an offline event, so they're not interested. But then, hey, man, I mean, they ditched two years in a row. At least this time around, they had the courtesy to ditch before taking space, which is what they did for the last two years. So in a way, it's an improvement. But uh, yeah, that was the only thing that's legitimately tiny about IT. Right then, year. so tell
0: me about Far Cry 5.
1: So yeah, Far Cry 5 set is set in Montana, uh, in the USA. And it takes place in this kind of urban-rural sort of environment, mishmash of both. Uh, the gunplay was was clunky but fun, and you basically have to liberate outposts and save a Montana from uh, this uh, doomsday cult called Ed- called Eden's Gate. Uh, it's fairly straightforward premise, but what doesn't get old is the number of explosions you can push out on screen. So I ended so you so I ended up doing stuff like shooting at shooting at an oil tanker watching that blow up going going into a going into a house luring enemies into a house shooting up a heater for, for, to see that blow up and have the enemies catch fire so yeah there's was a lot of explosions and it' was epically fun for that reason uh we had a preview that's up on the site and we even did a preview video it's quite fun to play uh it's very entertaining in the sense that even though they've gone for an for a semi-urban location this time around rather than something exotic like we've seen in past games like Nepal or the rook islands it's actually worked quite well so far. I mean, in a, in a half an hour of gameplay, I basically set fire to half a settlement. Uh, I have shot down a bunch of VIPs, uh, took a flight, jumped down into a lake, shot a few more VIPs, uh, and uh, almost wrestled with a bear. So there's a lot of variety that they've packed into it. And yeah. I think that could be the game saving grace. Sounds like your ROI was very good. Yeah, essentially. It was like... <laughs> legitimately fun to play and i think mike had a similar experience yeah. it
2: was it was good it was a lot of fun uh we were playing on, on a ps4 ps4 pro debug unit. yes looked really nice it had some tech issues but then uh when we saw Watch Dogs 2 pre-release it actually turned out fantastic in the final build so wouldn't really judge it by that but, yeah, but uh, 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 it was it was a, it was really interesting and given how Like, how much fun and how good Far Cry Primal looked, I'm very optimistic about this.
1: Yeah, because the thing is, the build we played was around E3 Gamescom to our 2017 build. So, obviously not the latest version of the game. But it gave us a fair idea of what to expect. And uh, I think this is one worth looking forward to for the first quarter of next year.
2: It is one of the early, like, big AAA games coming. Because January is basically mostly Japanese games, which a lot of people won't be interested in. But, uh, yeah, this is like February, late February release. Yep.
0: Yeah. So you guys also played Resident Evil on Switch. Yeah, no, but
1: Res- before that, we we played uh, an indie game from an Indian studio, uh, which was called Raji: An Ancient Epic.
0: Mike uh, just went off to sleep.
1: Not really. Not yet. Mike actually <laughs> liked it more than I did. He was like, "So uh, it it's basically a look. It's a third person isometric. Yeah, isometric third person action game, uh, where you play as Raji, who is this uh, girl child who essentially has to rescue her brother and save the world obviously because you can't have a game that doesn't have you saving the world from a bunch of demons and it takes place in this really cool ancient india aesthetic that's inspired by uh rajasthan architecture and uh the enemy variety is pretty solid like in the first five minutes you see a lot of enemies a lot of different enemies from uh demons wielding maces to demons spewing venom and uh, a few a few of them that charge at you so it's quite interesting um uh, in terms of gameplay, it's quite reminiscent to other games like uh, like God of War because you have your area of effect spells, you have your ranged attacks, you have your close quarters combat, and it works quite well. Though we did notice some very pressing issues.
2: Like the UI which on the build we played was pretty terrible. In fact, it was like a stark contrast to the rest of the game which felt uh, quite polished visually. Uh, it did like run a little weirdly, but, but like it's expected because Unreal Engine and early build. But uh, while the animations, combat, uh, some of the controls had issues, but uh, it looked good. It looked very polished. It looked looked like something I'd play. But uh, yeah, the UI was really bad. And when we spoke to them, they said the UI was something they added last minute just to get the build out for uh, the playable demo.
1: Yeah, in fact, I managed to speak to the the to the studio founder and designer Avichal and what he did mention, uh, and it's something that should be up on the site by the time this podcast is up, is uh, he did mention that uh, the frame rate is, is a concern that they're looking to fix. They're planning to make sure it hits 60 FPS. He also did mention that uh, the game is not gonna be uh, DRM free, and with good reason, because I think uh, from all their backers, thousand plus backers, they've only had people in under under 10 people complain about having a non-DRM free game. Uh, yeah, so so much for that argument. And uh, what is even more amusing is, uh, uh, so what's actually appalling rather, see, the games on Kickstarter, Uh, well now that's no surprise because hey, a lot of independent studios go to Kickstarter to be noticed, to to get funding and to see their projects, see the light of day. But but what's even more surprising is that uh, the challenges they faced trying to get funding from local publishers, and the problem is most local publishers don't understand anything that's not on mobile and that's not free to play. So, I mean, for a PC premium game, there were no takers from local publishers, which is sad because uh, it's not like they, they lack the funds. They have the funds. I mean, the local investors have the funds, local publishers have the funds, but they just don't understand gaming. And it's, it's tragic to see because a game which is so steeped in Indian mythology, uh, from a very patriotic angle, should be published by an Indian publisher, but hey, that's not going to happen. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the game's on Kickstarter right now. We highly recommend you check it out. It's could be one of the better games from the country, and it's not a term we use uh, liberally because most games from India are pretty bad. And this is like pretty much something which you which you which you wouldn't expect was done from a studio. You can try or the demo people. for free
2: on Steam. Yes, you
1: should check out the demo on Steam. It's pretty good.
0: Yeah, so Resident Evil on Switch. Oh yeah, so my. So
2: uh, over the last three or four weeks, there have been a ton of ports on the Switch. I mean. It like in one week we had LA Noir and Skyrim, and that was literally what year is it? Dot GIF. But uh, Capcom support for the Switch has been very weird over the last like since launch. While in Japan they put Monster Hunter Double Cross out, uh, one of the launch month or launch quarter titles was Ultra Street Fighter 2 The Final Challengers, which was some weird remaster slash enhanced release with some exclusive features. Of Street Fighter Two for the Switch, which and the the release was forty dollars, which everyone laughed at. Uh, even though it was overpriced and seemed like a low effort release from what I've played, it sold really, really well. Everyone questioned Capcom support because like they they weren't localizing Monster Hunter Double Cross, they weren't commenting on it. Um, they announced Okami HD. Okami was originally a PS Two game, yep. which released on V. It had a sequel, semi sequel on. Uh, The DS, DS, Okami Den. Okami Den. And uh, they announced the HD remaster of that for Xbox One and PC over Switch. I mean, obviously it was going to come to PS4. But uh, the choice of putting it on Xbox One and not Switch is something which a lot of people are questioning. Uh, But they did announce Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2 as a collection for Switch. And uh, Resident Evil Revelations 1 is really interesting because it was originally a 3DS exclusive which got then ported literally everywhere except mobile and uh resident evil revelations 2 on the other hand was uh built for like current gen and last gen together not handhelds and the vita yeah although it did get a late port to the vita which was thanks to uh geo corsi and one of sony's building the list quote unquote programs which they've seemingly forgotten uh so yeah they basically uh and everyone expected low budget ports or poor ports and all but uh what we've played shows they actually have put in the effort while uh technically they are not the best versions of the game uh having like such superior portable versions of both games now compared to the 3ds and vita version having a lot of switch exclusive stuff like uh jo- the joycon motion controls are really good it has amiibo support if you want like some items in game uh touchscreen support to change weapons local wireless multiplayer online multiplayer uh it's basically, I mean, the only problem which I faced in Resident Evil Revelations 2 was the super long load times, which are really annoying. Yeah. They have put in these mini-games which you can play while it's loading, like some of the old Namco releases, but uh, really impressed with what they've done. Uh, one of the other problems is, uh, it'll if you buy both of them, they're both available separately, digitally. Only one of them is available physically in Japan and in the US with a code for the second game. Uh, You're looking at about 40 plus GB, which uh, basically means you need a micro SD card larger than 32 GB. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's something to keep in mind. Storage drama aside, also keep in mind that the Switch's download system is pretty much broken. There is no pause button. The only way to stop a download is you put your console to sleep or you switch off uh, Wi-Fi. Altogether. So you switch off Wi-Fi?
2: Yes, you okay. literally switch off yeah, Wi-Fi. Yeah, then it pauses everything and you yeah. put it in airplay
1: mode. Note how I'm saying it without a hint of irony, prane. Where pun proof. Anyway. So the point is it's it's still a fun release. And honestly, even if you've played the fran- played uh played them before, they're worth experiencing on the go. Uh very minor technical issues uh with regards to revelations too. Uh yeah, the loading times are painful. Some of them clocked in close to a minute and a half. So that, and we're talking about loading times. There even there are some loading screens that are even in between cutscenes. There are loading screens in between levels sometimes too. So that's something to keep in mind uh, oh. with with Revelations too. Uh the first one's a lot better that from that regard. But yeah, uh loading issues aside, they're really fun for the story and the raid mode is surprisingly good, more so on the go. So yeah, if you're looking for a dose of uh, horror on the go or on a big screen when as you're, you're choosing. These are worth considering.
2: And uh, I'd say the price is pretty fair as well because yes. Resident Evil Revelations 1 just got ported for the third time this year to a PS4 and Xbox One for $20 digitally. And I believe they were 1799 or 1699 at retail here. Uh, Resident Evil Revelations collection on the Switch is unfortunately not coming here officially because uh, Capcom is not doing a physical release at all in Europe. So uh, you have to pick them up digitally on the eShop for $20. Now... Uh, Twenty dollars is a fair price because a lot of uh, some of the indies also have been charging five or ten dollars extra on the switch just because they thought they can get away with it. That's not going to work anymore because the uh, the switch e shop is already really crowded. I mean, uh, I think I hit sixty eight games with Resident Evil Revelations one and two, and like I had to delete a lot to play this. So that's not going to work anymore. So. I'm pretty impressed with Capcom keeping the price the same. Like Resident Evil Revelations 2 has all the DLC, everything included. Yes. Some exclusive features in both. Again, $20. So.
1: Yeah, so like uh, what you get is it's $20 a game and uh, $39.99 if you end up picking up, picking it up, picking up a US copy. So that's like roughly $40. But what's... Uh, and yeah, they, they do have all the content. So we're talking bonus episodes in the case of Resident Evil Revelations 2. We're talking uh, bonus costumes. We're talking about bonus items for the raid mode. So they've actually put in some effort into this, and it's worth uh, appreciating. But what's, what, what's amusing, if you look at this from a bigger picture, is the fact that uh, Capcom had said, and I think in an earlier earnings report, that the sales of Monster Hunter Double Cross will determine their support for the Switch. Well, evidently, it sold well enough, uh, apparently raking in $295 million in terms of revenue. So it's nice to see that we're, we're seeing the Revelations games come in first. But this also means we could possibly see mainline Resident Evil games. Yeah, they're the same engine. Yeah, firstly, they're the same engine. Secondly, for those of you who are unaware, because, you know, the Resident Evil games, much like the movies, are complicated messes in terms of story arc, so much so that they make the Marvel Cinematic Universe seem rather simple. But uh, the Revelations games take place between uh, Resident Evil 4 and 5 and Resident Evil 5 and 6, respectively. So we could actually see mainline entries hit the switch as well. We could see Resident Evil 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, even all the way up to 7 could end up coming to the Switch, which basically means, theoretically, if if all you do is play Resident Evil, the Switch may just end up being the console you need, along with, well, a 500 gig or 1 terabyte SD card.
0: Okay, then, finally, games we've been playing this week. Uh, Segment of the podcast, which used to be called Mike's Weird Game Show, but clearly Mike is too busy playing AAA games these days.
2: Well, not AAA, but yeah. More like triple mix, but yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so what's your scene this week?
2: So I've been playing uh, a lot more of Cat Quest, which is an indie game available on every system except Xbox One, where you play as a cat trying to rescue his sister. Uh, It's it's an isometric action RPG, uh, which controls really well on iPad. I'm super impressed with the iPad version. I played it on Switch. Uh, I finished the game around level 60 and I've actually reached level 101 because it's just so fun. I'm just going and doing every single side quest and all that. Art style is really good. Music is really good. And uh, out of, aside from that, been playing a lot more Valhalla on the Vita. Uh, when I played it on uh, Steam originally, I just did one ending and I was like, this game is too good to like waste over here. I need it on portable. And one and a half year later, the Vita versions come out. It's patched and all that. It's really good. So playing that on the second ending right now. Still playing more experimenting, trying to get people drunk, change lives. Uh what else have I been playing? Obviously Resident Evil Revelations one and two on Switch, but uh what I can't even remember been playing such weird stuff. So yeah. Probably like after Pranet Talks if I remember otherwise, yeah.
0: Yeah, so Mike's weird game show is clearly back on track after that horrible month of October. <laughs> Yeah, October's a bad one. (laughs) Yeah, so then I've been playing mostly uh, mobile games. So there's one game which I'm not sure I can talk about at this point. So I think I'll talk about that around on or around December seventh. Watch this space for more. Yeah, so it's It's coming soon. It's a belt. Yeah, so I've uh, in the meantime I've been also playing this uh, mobile game called Zombie Blocks. So Zombie Blocks is basically. Uh, like a Crossy Road type game, the art style is very similar to Crossy Road, and you basically are just running around here and there, avoiding a bunch of zombies. So now, in Crossy Road, the level is pretty much infinite, and you can only move uh, in two directions, just front and back. But in Zombie Blocks, you can move around the level uh, wherever you want to go. But the level is not infinite; it's like think of it like a massive stadium. And a bunch of people like uh, who have turned into zombies will be popping up everywhere and they'll be chasing you around and while you run around trying to evade them and uh, the fun thing is here you can get them killed in two ways. One is you can uh, like pick up weapon drops which just appear randomly. And the second one is you can, like, uh, lure them into environmental traps. So, for example, there'll be, like, an aeroplane taking off or a massive dinosaur just running around. So you can just uh, walk around these things and ensure that these uh, zombies, they get crushed by um, those elements. And, you know, if you, like... uh If you do a really nice, like, massive takedown of zombies, then the game will just pause at that moment and say, um, like, something like plowing through or something. And then you get get to take a screenshot and share it on Facebook. But the sad thing is you can't, like, save it to your um, own device's photos folder. Like, I would have liked to do that, you know, because this was such a fun moment in the game.
1: I'm sure you can do that on the PC version.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, the game is basically free to play on, uh, like, iOS and Android. Yep. And on PC, it's a premium 200 rupee game. Yep. Yeah, so premium Ooh. 200 rupees. Yeah, rupee premium game. at 200 rupees, guys. <laughs> We've hit
1: a new low. Yeah, so... Uh, pre- it's on Steam. Yes. Yeah, Why is it only 200 rupees? Because uh, it's a sim- very simple game to play. I yeah, mean, it's essentially, really, really simple. And, yeah. well, so the, th- this is also one of the games that was playable at IGX. It's, it's made by an Indian studio, Roosh, Inter- Roosh Inter- Interactive or Roosh Games. Yeah, mistaken. so some of them have so, been
0: yeah. on this podcast earlier, right? Yes, the so Roosh people. Sh- yeah, yeah. Srini
1: was on the podcast earlier due to his work on Bioshock Mobile. Yep. So this is what he was working on, it seems. Uh, and it's pretty fun. What is, what is amusing with the PC version, though, is that it was running at 4K off a MacBook. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, definitely not that high spec. It can run on a potato as, as, as it seems. Yes, and it's totally fun as well. Like,
0: I'm not sure how the uh, like, game works on PC, but at least on mobile, uh, there, yeah, what you get to do is, like, there are a bunch of gems in the game, yep. and there are zombie coins. So, you can use zombie coins to buy new characters. You can use gems to buy certain new characters, yep. uh, particularly the epic characters, including Mr. Drumpf, who's a oh, very obvious okay pun on the president of the United States uh, so like these characters cost like 500 gems which is like a ridiculously high price like it's I, I don't think you'll be able to um, collect a, you know as many gems without like spending a significant amount of time in game mm-hmm. uh, so you can obviously buy these gems and you can uh, use those gems to buy coins to get these characters faster but then you don't really need to do that by and large like I found that in an hour of play I was collecting something like 15 to 20 gems uh, depending on how well mm-hmm. I played so yeah, overall quite enjoyable, and you keep unlocking new characters. There are daily quests and all those uh, what do you call the um, uh, gamification elements? Yeah, yeah. um, to, to keep rewarding you for like playing it repeatedly, which is like pretty standard in mobile games. Like I'm just surprised that you know the game is a lot fun to play and it's just you pick it up you play you try and get a high score you repeat that and um, only issue is that like uh, like the game's high score system is currently based on uh, random scores put there by the developers oh uh, so what you need to do is you need to connect your facebook account to see your friends high scores and that's when it becomes uh-huh. really competitive uh, i sort of lost the motivation to play after like beating the best uh, score put in by the developers so after that i was like yeah i mean who's gonna connect the game to a facebook account and yeah so so that's the only sad bit
2: interesting i remember what the other game i was playing now and uh yeah i reinstalled hearthstone three days ago and uh just to see how it's been and for one the size has now increased to 3.1 gb the last time i played it it was like 900 mb so that was interesting but uh, the funny thing is every single out of the 18 decks i had made none of them qualify for standard play anymore so yeah it looks like a lot has changed in one and a half year and uh the tavern brawl and arena, which like you don't actually need cards, you can just play with whatever they give you, was really fun because it seems I still have it. So yeah, had fun. Gonna play more and see if it's actually feasible to continue playing Hearthstone after like a year and a half. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So how many dollars are you gonna spend on it this time?
2: Probably nothing right now. I Wanna see how long that lasts. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is like, uh, basically, you know, a person who's quit smoking, like, five years ago, he's just seeing, oh, how it goes, let's see how (laughs) it goes, and then, you know, suddenly you realize the person is bankrupt. Rishi?
1: People get bankrupt from smoking.
0: uh, Well, haven't you met some other people on our team?
1: No comment. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. But yeah, so, I've been playing uh, Hitman uh, for, I think, the second or third time, this time on the Xbox One You
0: can't let Hitman go, can you? It is
1: so good. I mean, it's so good because now everything's finally patched and I don't have to worry about being disconnected. Uh, yeah, it's quite fun. Uh, I mean, I, I'm almost done with the first season. Uh, I, finished, I, I finished off uh, the training missions. I finished off Paris. Finished off uh, Sapienza, which is still the best level in the entire franchise. Uh, then I ended up finishing uh, Bangkok, and uh, I think I'm on Colorado, and then the last one um, I finished Marrakesh as well, which is also really cool. Yeah. So I think I'm uh, I have uh, Colorado and Japan and Tokyo left uh, before. So and it's really good. Wait, before
0: you like huh. go ahead, tell me: Have you been managing that no kill thing on the on each level, or are you killing people?
1: Ah, uh, no kill. Every level, no yeah, kill. Yeah, I only so that's, kill the that's what I want to know. I only kill the targets on this run through. So yeah. that's all I've been doing. Yeah. I've been trying as much as possible to just wear the hit, traditional hitman suit and strangle or garrote the enemies from behind or use or kill them by accident. But the idea is to go through with minimal casualties, just the targets. No, but uh, can yeah. you
0: finish the game without killing a single person except the target? Yeah, like, yeah. Forget yeah, strangling, yeah. yeah. forget it's, everything.
1: It's tough as nails. You can do that. And that's what I've been doing. Uh, it, it. And honestly, it's quite easy for uh, up until you hit Colorado. Colorado is really tough to do that. But it's, it's still possible if, you're, if you play smart.
2: Colorado is like one of the weaker sections of the game.
1: Yeah, because so. it is too front loaded. It is really tough to get into that area. But once you're in, it becomes super easy. So that, that was like the weakest one, in my opinion. So I'm I'm, I'm basically on that one right now. Uh, and yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's really good on the 1X because, well, you know, you, you, the, the frame rate's unlocked. You can even play at a high resolution. So it's like right up there with the PC version, in my opinion. So been playing that. I've uh, been playing a lot of Overwatch as well, going back into the game. Uh, so checking out new maps like Junkertown and... Uh, yeah, Diva's new secondary uh, missile attack is super useful. Been been messing around with that as well. Uh, yeah, been playing a lot of Overwatch on both PC on Xbox One. Uh, aside from those two, well, since you know, thankfully review seasons almost at a close, I've also been playing Valhalla on on the Vita, and and uh, yeah, it is still very good, as good as what it was when I played it a year and a half ago. Uh, it's nice to mix drinks and change lives because that's what it says in the game, and it takes it, it's a really nice slice of. Uh, dystopian warmth in a way so yeah i've been playing that that's like that's like a lot of fun on the vita and uh aside from those yeah i mean resident evil on the switch um looking forward to see what happens if and when ashes hits the pc or not uh more so because you know we there's a lot of people who are interested to see how that would perform so looking forward to that but that aside yeah it's essentially been uh valhalla hitman and overwatch
0: Yeah, right then. So that's all we have for this episode of Transition. We will see you with another episode next week. As always, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Gadgets360. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or hate mail, fan mail, whatever, just write to us at podcast at gadgets360.com. And the music for this episode comes via Magnus Solai Paulsen, whose album PPP PPP is where the tracks are from. Thank you so much for listening.